0: Hello, this is Adam from Cinemation Reviews and today I'm going to talk to you through my favourite movies of 2019 and a few honourable mentions. Uh, This will be a top 10, Uh, so the list was quite tight this year since there have been so many incredible films out in 2019. Um, So I'll get straight to it, I don't know how long this podcast is going to be, we're just going to go with it, it could be a long one, it could be shorter than expected. But uh, let's just get straight into it uh, with some honourable mentions. Uh, My first honourable mention um, will probably be El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie. Now, I'm a huge fan of Breaking Bad, it's my favourite TV series of all time. Um, And I thought El Camino did a great job uh, uh, continuing the story of Jesse Pinkman uh, several years after the show ended. So uh I was really impressed with it i thought I think this is um Aaron Paul's best performance uh to date even better than his um even better than his role in the show Breaking Bad I think he's he's way more improved uh in El Camino um My second honorable mention will be fighting with my family uh this came out earlier in 2019 um and at first it was my favorite movie of the year and it was for quite a long time I think up until March and and then it it totally slipped off my top ten list because so many amazing films came out after it but um, it's produced by Dwayne Johnson starring Florence Pugh, uh, Nick Frost, Dwayne Johnson himself Stephen Merchant uh, and Lena Headey Um, and I thought this film was such a surprise Uh, I hadn't really watched any trailers leading up to it, but then I started hearing people praising about this film called Fighting With My Family. I was like, what on earth is this about? I go and click on it, see that it's a film produced by Dwayne Johnson, starring Dwayne Johnson, and I was already hooked since I'm such a big fan of his films. Uh, And this one is probably my favourite of his films. Uh, It's hilarious at times, um, but has good uh, aspects of drama in it. some great WWE stunts in there, um, I've, and some great acting, especially from Florence Pugh, which is the first time I'd ever seen her in a role. Um, and I've seen that she's got quite, an, she's gotten quite a few roles after this. I mean, she's starring the new Black Widow. She starred in Midsummer, which disclaimer I haven't seen, so this won't be on my list. But uh, she's a very, she's a brilliant uprising actor. Um, The next honourable mention would probably be Toy Story Four. I'm not a big fan of putting animations on my uh, top ten list because I, it, I I don't count animations as uh, stellar dramatic performances. I mean, you can get some great voice acting in animations, but I mean, you can't really meet the heights of a of a um, just full on. Dramatic piece like uh, Joker or Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You can't really compare animations with films like that. So they don't usually end up on my top 10. Although Toy Story 4 was a great animation. Easily the best one of the year. I'm a huge fan of the Toy Story franchise. Uh, Tom Hanks is brilliant in it. The rest of the cast voice acting is brilliant. So um, I had to at least give it an honourable mention. Um, now going into the top 10... Uh, number 10 on my list is John Wick Chapter 3 Parabellum uh, Keanu Reeves latest installment in the John Wick franchise um, and I didn't watch the first John Wick when it first came out in 2014 um, I actually first watched John Wick uh, I think it was back in 2017 so coming up three years ago now and uh, I've really enjoyed it um, and then I found out there was a second one coming out uh but I was a bit too late to it so it had already come out uh so I waited till that was on DVD and then watched it uh, and I loved that one just as much and then I was like right John Wick chapter 3 I'm going to be on top of this this time I'm going to um, I'm going to see ex- the exact date it comes out and I'm going to wait for it and I'm going to attend it day one and I did I watched it as soon as it came out and I was just as impressed as uh But the other two, John Wick's. Uh, I personally probably like this one more. The action is so much better. Although John Wick throughout the whole franchise, it's been superb action. Keanu Reeves, of course, is always is great. He's one of my favorite actors. Um, Maybe not for his acting abilities, but just um, his stunts and the amount of effort he puts into it. uh, You've got to give him credit for that. And he puts in a lot of effort into John Wick Chapter 3 as well. I I saw that he did a lot of uh, Navy SEAL training, along with Halle Berry. She did some too. She was great in John Wick Chapter 3 too. Uh, Like I said, the stunts were brilliant. Uh, The acting was great on all parts. And uh, just this world of John Wick and the uh, Continental, and and just seeing it expand is brilliant. And knowing that John Wick Chapter 4 is coming out uh, next year and now we're in 2020 which is exciting Um, and just so far John Wick has been quite a flawless franchise even with critics the reviews have been only getting higher I think John Wick Chapter 3 has got the highest reviews out of the whole franchise and it's the third movie which is very rare Uh, and even the sequel got better reviews than the first one which is also a very rare occurrence Um, uh, number 9 on my top 10 list Zombieland Double Tap. Uh, this sounds like a weird one to have on the list, because it isn't exactly anything groundbreaking, or the performances are great, but they aren't, like, standout, Oscar-worthy performances. But, um, the real reason why this one's on my list is 2019's had a lot of amazing films out, but they've all been very serious films, um, not very light-hearted, um, and just, and, um... And they, they've like I said, they've just been very serious uh, dramas, uh, outstanding stellar performances. And after a while, although these these films are incredible, you start to get a bit bored of the same kind of uh, you, like, for example, a film like I, I love the film Spotlight, very great dramatic piece, very emotional. But it isn't a film with the most biggest amount of rewatchability. Same with a film like Patriots Day, there isn't a lot of rewatchability behind it. And although you enjoy it the first time, um, and you think the performances are great and the story's great, you're not necessarily going to watch it again because the enjoyment factor isn't there. I mean, you enjoy it while you're watching it for the first time, but you, but you, uh, you you're just not going to be as tempted to go back and watch it than you would with a movie like Zombieland Double Tap and the reason why I go back and watch it so many times is it's very light-hearted uh, just like the original it's funny uh, the cast is brilliant uh, it's entertaining and it's just like I said one of them films that you keep going back to unlike a serious film from this year like um, the Irishman um, you you, you're not gonna go back and sit through three hours and a half of the Irishman once a week but you could watch Zombieland Double Tap once a week if you enjoyed it that much because it's short it's sweet it's entertaining and it's funny and that's why I really appreciated it this year because it's one of the only films this year that's been like that's been light-hearted should I say anyway moving on to number eight um is the Irishman which I was just talking about although like I've just said the rewatchability isn't necessarily there because it's a very long film, it's slow it's uh, maybe not as entertaining as a film like Zombieland or Water but I can't deny the direction from Martin Scorsese the screenplay and the three incredible actors at the helm of this film Joe Pesci, Al Pacino and Robert De Niro Robert De Niro being my favourite out of the bunch followed by uh, Joe Pesci, which is great because we've not seen him in such a long time. Uh, this is a great breakthrough performance again from him, and uh, Al Pacino, of course, is always a uh, brilliant actor. But um, this film, like I said, it's an incredible dramatic uh, story about based on true events. I've heard really um, from a book called "I Heard You Paint Houses." Um, there's some mystery element elements to this film um but all in all it's it's a journey really you're on this three and a half hour long journey with this cast you kind of get attached to you see them when they were younger you see them when they're like middle age and then you see them when they're old so you feel like you've really traveled through this journey with them and you feel quite attached to the characters um and the acting of course helps you uh, feel emotionally attached to this um to this uh, to this film and I-, I personally loved it it's not my favorite Martin Scorsese film my favorites probably the king of comedy but uh, a great return to form for Martin Scorsese mob films number seven is Avengers Endgame uh, which at first I thought would be higher on this list but I think the highest this film ever got on my list was number four That's the highest it ever got until I started watching more movies, of course, and it started lowering. But, see, with Avengers Endgame, it's it's been 12, like, I think it's been 12 years or so full of uh, MCU films, um, uh, since Iron Man to now Avengers Endgame, and what a journey it's been. I mean, the cast has been incredible, the story's been incredible, and it's just such an enjoyable time. But... Like I said with The Irishman, the reason why Avengers Endgame isn't as high on my list is because um, the rewatchability isn't all there. It's a long film, it's about three hours long, um, maybe just over three hours long, which I wouldn't have minded, but after watching it for my second time, I watched it for my second time on a plane. I don't know if it's just the fact that I was on a plane with bad audio quality and all that, but I just... I, I didn't feel as emotionally invested and I, I didn't feel as glued into it and it felt a lot slower than it did the first time I watched it um, in the cinema but still an incredible film, what a journey it's been for the MCU uh, and I can't wait to see what other MCU films come out like I said Robert, da- uh, Robert Downey Jr and the whole cast were brilliant um, and a, an a, amazing film for 2019 uh, number 6 maybe a surprising one it Chapter Two. Um, this It Chapter Two was quite a controversial film when it came out. Review wise, um, it re- it received mixed reviews, um, which I don't personally agree with. Um, I I I preferred It Chapter Two to It Chapter One. If I have to be honest, I don't know. I think it was more the cast. That really sold this film to me I mean I'm a huge fan of Bill Hader as I've said before um, so, so him being in this film was great uh, James McAvoy was great was great in this film Jessica Chastain, Bill Skarsgård as always is Pennywise an incredible performance it is a long film nearly three hours long two hours and fifty to be exact um, and I think that's why it received quite mixed reviews um, It. it does go on for quite some time, and you start to feel that uh, running length. Um, I know the rest, uh, the uh, my friends that I took to see it. I know they started to feel the runtime of it, and uh, I did see a couple of people walk out the cinema uh, because right towards the end of the film, to be honest, I think there was only like 20 minutes left. But they walked out because they're like, right, this is this is going on for way too long, and it doesn't seem like it's ending. But the fact is, when it actually gets to the last 20 minutes, you feel like it's not going to end yet. But then suddenly they start to figure everything out and suddenly the movie speeds up towards the last 20 minutes uh, to half an hour. But um, either way, I even said to my friends, "I I think it could have been longer. Like, I think there was more to do in it. I did not mind the run length. It actually went really fast for me. It's probably the fastest nearly three-hour film I've ever seen. As in, it just speeds by the two times that I watched it in the cinema. Um, and like I said, the cast was outstanding. Um, and uh, the direction from Andre Machete was brilliant. Uh, there was a great cameo in there. Uh, I won't spoil uh, who it was if you haven't seen it yet. But uh, all in all... Another great entry in the 8th franchise, Uh, and uh, I preferred it more than the first one, if I'm honest. Um, Number 5, I've got is Knives Out. Knives Out was a really interesting one for me, as I said in the Golden Globe discussion. Uh, It was a big surprise for me. Uh, I watched the trailer at first, uh, when it first came out, the trailer, and uh, it looked enjoyable, but I really didn't know if it was going to be good or not, because... Ryan Johnson has had such a, a controversial um, movie movie career uh, recently um, from the Star Wars franchise and everything that happened with it. And I think, like I said in the Golden Globes discussion, is that I think Ryan Johnson's at his best when he's uh, making his own original ideas and writing. Writing the screenplay himself, and it's coming straight out of his head. Not an already, um, not an already established franchise like Star Wars, but um, instead, when he does a film like Looper, that was great. Uh, nice out, brilliant. Uh, so he's better when he's uh, doing original films that that have come out of ideas from his own head. Uh, the cast was great. Uh, Daniel Craig was a big standout. Uh, his accent was brilliant. Uh, the mystery, um, I won't spoil it for you, but how I described it is you, you feel like you're catching on to it, and you, you do for the start of it. I think everyone will catch on to the to the culprit at some point in the film, um, probably early at the start, to be honest. But then the film starts to uh, give you other paths that you go down, and you're like, no, it can't be this guy anymore, because it's too obvious. Um Sorry, if you haven't seen it yet, that may have just been a little bit of a spoiler. Um, I I won't repeat it if you didn't hear it. Um, But uh, anyway. (laughs) Uh, But it it shows you other paths and you you start to lose your original idea. But then the movie comes full circle and it goes, you were kind of right all along, just we threw you off track and tricked you. And it's very clever of how it does it. I, it was a surprise of the uh, of last year for me and i really enjoyed it number 4 is jojo rabbit um this film was brilliant as I, i've already reviewed it uh, there's a there's a, i literally just uploaded a, rev- a review about uh like 20 minutes ago uh, on this podcast so go and listen to that if you haven't already um but I, as i said in that i really enjoyed it i thought it was hilarious um, but it was very heartfelt and dramatic at times. Uh, the Some great actors in it, especially the young ones, and uh, Taika Waititi's uh, directions, brilliant, and him playing uh, imaginary Hitler in the film, which uh, is a sentence I never thought I'd say, but um, that's what films are like nowadays. Uh, so I won't say too much more about that because there is a review upon a separate podcast go and watch it if you haven't already or as i keep saying on stardust at cinemation 30 second reviews that i do i've posted quite a lot so there's tons for you to go over there and watch um, so you can download the stardust app from the play store i'm not sponsored by them but i just think it's a great app for all movie lovers and tv show lovers to get their general thoughts out there and give quick brief reviews um, so yeah I've posted a review up for it there as well, so that's why it's at number four. Um, I'm going to do a few more on your honorable mentions, um, and then I'll go with my top three. The next honorable mention is Dolomite is My Name. Uh, I hadn't watched a trailer for this film when it came out, it came out on Netflix. Uh, all I knew was a Jim Car- uh not Jim Carrey, um, Eddie Murphy comedy that. Um, that was coming out and I'm a big fan of um, Eddie Murphy's work, you know Beverly Hills Cop, The Nutty Professor he's a great actor and so I was excited for this because I feel like I had not seen him in a film for quite some time Uh, and this one really surprised me I'd never heard of this character of Dolomite or the uh, real-life comedian that used to play him uh, but this really shone a light on this subject that I'd never heard of before and uh, it was a fun time, a really enjoyable time. in my opinion, Eddie Murphy's best role in a long time um, and great direction from Craig Brewer uh, and a big surprise of 2019 for me. Another honorable mention is um, honorable uh, mention is um, Shazam. Uh, I, I first saw this trailer uh, when it was released. I think it was released as a comic Con trailer. Um, and I already had high expectations for it, but of course DC hasn't had the best um, hasn't got the best reputation for delivering on films that look good at the start. Uh, but Wonder Woman kind of put them back on track. So I had a, a lot more hope for Shazam and it really delivered. I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought the cast was great um, and the, uh, the direction was great. Uh, from uh from uh, uh David Sandberg um and of and DC recently seemed to be for these uh for these brand new DC universe films seems to be um hiring horror directors to direct their um their uh, superhero films which sounds weird but it's working out really well for them with you know Aquaman Shazam uh, they just hired a- they hired the uh, Todd Phillips comedy director to do a serious film like Joker, uh, which of course went down incredibly well. More on that soon enough. Uh, like I said, Zachary Levi was great as Shazam. Asher Angel. Uh, Jack Dylan Grays was a big standout. Uh, kind of a comic relief character, but brilliant. Um, uh, Mark Strong. Uh, Dr. Savannah, I think he could have been a little bit better developed. Um, but uh, Mark Strong played him to the best of his ability, uh, and yeah, uh, just a great original superhero film, uh, and a change, a, a great change of form for uh, DC films. The next honourable mention, I'd say, is Rocket Man. Uh, I was excited for this film, um, and after seeing it, I think I was right to be excited. Um, Bohemian Rhapsody last year was a, a great film and great performances from Rami Malek but it let me down in some ways um, that rocket man kinda makes up for like I feel like Bohemian Rhapsody should have been in the same like a uh, form as rocket man as in like a musical uh, I think it would have done Bohemian Rhapsody much better but um, if, if it had taken like the same the same form as rocket man but I mean I personally prefer Rocket Man over Bohemian Rhapsody just because Taryn Edgerton's great in the role of Elton John. It's a very fast-paced movie the music's great um, and just because it took on the uh, like the role as a full-on musical rather than being just a biopic like Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, it made it a lot better so uh, I love the performances. Uh, the direction from Dexter Fletcher was brilliant. I just wish it had made more money at the box office like Bohemian Rhapsody did. But um, anyway, going on, going back onto the top ten list now, uh, number three is Ford vs Ferrari. This film was exceptional. I mean, the- Jojo Rabbit was great at number four, and the rest were, but Ford vs Ferrari and the rest of my top three kind of take a bit of a jump from from four downwards that it, there's quite a big bit of a gap from jojo rabbit to ford vs ferrari because i thought i think these next three films are just exceptional uh, and they could have all been joint well maybe two and three but one kind of stands on its own but ford vs ferrari at third place uh, i wish it could have been higher on the list but um i had to make it a one two and three So out of these next three, Ford vs. Ferrari was number three. Um, But Christian Bale was great. Matt Damon was brilliant. Um, I've always been a big fan of cars uh, ever since I was young. So this film really meant something to me. And you don't have to be a fan of cars to enjoy this film. Although the title's a bit misleading and uh, since Ford vs. Ferrari, I mean, immediately you're going to think of it being all about cars. But it's not. It's also just a great dramatic film. Uh, about family. Um and Christian Bale in the role of Ken Miles was brilliant. Um Matt Damon as Carol Shelby was also great, but Christian Bale was really the standout performance. Um and he's he's kind of what made the film for me. I'm a big fan of his work since American Psycho. He's an incredible actor, he's incredible in this film and just the film in general is brilliant. Uh definitely give it a go if you haven't already but uh Ford vs Ferrari, number three, brilliant film. Number two, I've got the Joker. Uh Todd Phillips, uh r- most recent directorial day de- uh well, not really a debut, but his most recent um directed film. Uh and I thought it was incredible, as many other people did. There was a lot of controversy as I discussed in the Golden Globes discussion. Um there was a lot of controversy about its um, there being a spike in crime uh, and violence after people gonna see it. no way in any shape or form do I think that. It's the same when they say all video games and all movies c- cause violence. They don't it, it, It's ridiculous when people say that. um it, it, <laughs> especially for a film like the especially when they say that about a film like The Joker. But kids can go and read the comics, and parents won't say any different. Um, but the the fact is, all the Joker did was make got the comics for, uh, and use the source material and made it realistic. That's all the that's all Todd Phillips has done with this uh, with this movie, and uh, a lot of people are judging it um, just because they think it's going to uh, spike violent cli- crimes, which in no way shape or form is it going to or i mean it's been like three months since the release and it hasn't yet has it so i mean that's just proved uh that's just proved all the uh news reporters wrong but uh walk anyway todd phillips direction is brilliant a bit like martin scorsese i see a lot of inspiration from um uh, the king of comedy and taxi driver as a lot of pe- reviewers have said um I can especially see it a lot more in uh, the King of Comedy, but um, but uh, Joaquin Phoenix he's just won the Golden Globe for Best Actor in a Dramatic Performance. No wonder his acting his his acting abilities are amazing, and that just goes to show in this film he's incredible as Arthur Fleck, um, and really he captivates you to this character, and uh, almost makes you feel sorry for him, but then. The, the clever direction soon changes your mind when he starts to do all this violent stuff. But uh, Joker, a standout uh, for me last year. Incredible film. And my number one, of course, as I've mentioned a lot of times in that Golden Globe discussion, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Now, I'm a huge, huge fan of um, Quentin Tarantino's movies. I mean, some of my favourites, Pulp Fiction, um Django Unchained, The Hateful Eight, Kill Bill 1 and 2. I mean, he's an exceptional scre- screenwriter and director. Um, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood uh, shows his screen uh, screenwriting abilities even more. Um, because the- what Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is, which a lot of people have agreed on, is a Hangout movie. So it's about two characters... Um, r- one of course, Cliff Booth being a stunt double, and Rick Dalton being being this actor that had a great TV career and has tried to make a transition to movies, but it hasn't really worked out for him. Uh, so he feels like his career is nearly ending, and you see this buddy relationship that is brilliant and superbly acted by Brad Pitt and Leon- Leonardo DiCaprio. Um, so, being a hangout movie, and being just about two guys trying to make their way through Hollywood and make a living for themselves the screenplay's gotta be good otherwise the movie's just gonna fall apart I mean a a a movie like Pulp Fiction one of Tarantino's other films I mean they literally have a conversation in a car about what a burger is called in in France that is how captivating Tarantino's writing is Uh, but the thing about Pulp Fiction compared to this is Pulp Fiction there's a lot of uh, violence and gunfights and all that that can keep you entertained for quite some time in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood there is only really one violent fighting scene right at the end of the film like in the last 10 minutes of the film so for the other two hours and a half of the film Tarantino's got the job of keeping you captivated with his characters and writing a great script and he did it he did it amazingly like I say his direction was also great the acting all around, Brad Pitt was brilliant, Leonardo DiCaprio, Mar- Margot Robbie is Sharon Tate. Of course, people think Sharon Tate, uh, Margot Robbie didn't have a lot to do. Um, and that annoyed quite a few people, uh, seeing that she didn't have a lot of lines. Um, I'm not calling anyone out, but I did watch a review on YouTube. Um, it, it was a woman, uh, and she, uh, she thought it was very unfair how Tarantino... Um, didn't give sharon, uh, margot robbie enough lines as sharon tate but i think i think that was more a feminist message that that review was trying to get across seeing like oh why didn't the woman have more lines i think the fact was tarantino wasn't going against women having tons of lines i mean he's got a movie named jackie brown that follows a woman called Jackie Brown. I mean, he's not against women in any way, shape, or form. And I think some people are unfairly putting that on him, which is terrible. They should never do that. And the, I think the real reason why Margot Robbie didn't get that many lines is because it, this takes place. The movie, Cliff Booth and Rick Dalton may be fictional characters, um, but the movie takes place in a real time. And Sharon Tate is a real person and was a real person, um, and of uh, and of course what happened to her is really tragic. So what Tarantino, uh, until the see if you notice very carefully, Tarantino doesn't give Sharon Tate a lot of lines uh, up until the build up of uh, to to near the end of the film, and the reason why he's done that is because. History, he's, he changes history in his film at the end of, at the end of the film, in the last scene. Up until then, everything that happened with Sharon Tate, uh, was accurate, but of course he's got these two fictional characters, Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth, and you're following their lives, so he can't really give Margot Robbie extra lines, or give her more stuff to do, because he doesn't know that Sharon Tate would have done that. He can't, with Sharon Tate not being alive he can't just he can't go and you know put words into her mouth and uh, and make decisions that she might have not made he can't, he doesn't have the right to go and change a real person but uh, but uh, so she gets very little lines but when the last standoff happens um, and at the end uh, Mar- uh, Sharon Tate speaks to Rick Dalton over the intercom she gets more lines there than she does in most scenes in the movie and the reason why and that's this is in the last two minutes and she gets more to do in the last two minutes than she probably does in the whole movie and the reason why he's done that is because now he's changed history everyone knows right this is fictional sadly Sharon Tate didn't survive um, it, Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth weren't there to stop the Manson attacks from happening, Um, but now now the audience is now right. This bit's fictional. This bit didn't happen. Sadly, at this point, Sharon Tate would have died. So, but because he's kept her alive, and now people know she's fictional. In the last two minutes, he can he can put words into her mouth, because he's not changing, he's not changing Sharon Tate's history he's adding to what he thinks sh- what he wishes should would have happened which is her to be alive and her uh, to meet these Rick m- meet Rick Dalton and get along with him that's what he wishes would have happened sadly it didn't but because he's because the last like ten minutes was clearly a statement to say right this is a fictional bit this is this didn't happen um, I would he's uh, I wish it did happen. This is what he's saying, and the and that's the reason why he. I personally think Sharon Tate didn't get a lot to do is because he didn't want to, unrightfully, change a real person. Which, if he did, reviewers would have complained about that. So I, I mean, saying that he's going against women by by not giving Margot Robbie a lot of lines. is It not right I I hate it when reviewers do that and they don't look more closely into it and especially I heard someone complain about the fact that they showed um, Sharon Tate ugly snoring in a scene for no random reason I mean come on really I mean it's it's gotten to the point where some of these uh, people being that sensitive it's getting a bit ridiculous because everyone snores like that men snore like that just we, just Tarantino wanted to pan on to Sharon Tate sleeping peacefully, because he wants he wants he wished that uh, Sharon Tate was was peaceful in the true events and and didn't go off for the torment that she had to go through with the Manson killings. That it's not trying to say all oh, all women are, are loud snorers, and it's not trying to offend. Sharon Tate in any way. It is literally just there to go. She's sleeping peacefully. She's doing what any normal person would do. And she's snoring as well, which most people do. It, he isn't trying to take offence. So I don't think it's right when people say that he's a, trying to offend Sharon Tate by showing her snoring. But anyway, um, I love this film. I'm very passionate about it. It's my favourite movie of all time. Um, I think it's underrated. I mean i say that it has got great reviews but i fear of course i'd give it a 10 out of 10 obviously no doubt about it um uh, and 100 percent if i was rotten tomatoes uh but it's really just the audience score giving it 70 percent. i didn't agree with more than anything but like like i said that's just my opinion i'm not saying that i'm right i'm not saying that the audiences are wrong but but um I'm glad it's won quite a few awards at the Golden Globes, it's an amazing film, another stellar film from Quentin Tarantino, um, I hope his 10th one is just as good, um, but yeah that'll be it for my, uh, my top 10 list for this year, um, there's been some amazing films in 2019 and I hope 2020 this year brings uh, just as good films if not better, so I've been Adam from Cinemation Reviews. Uh, remember to check out my Twitter at the Cinemation and my Stardust uh, at uh, at Cinemation once again, um, and of course check out any other podcasts that I may have up. I've got a Jojo Rabbit review up right now and a Golden Globes 2020 discussion. Uh, so thank you. I hope you all enjoyed, and thanks for listening.